Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. The weekend is upon us, and Walters is a great spot to gather for brunch. From chicken and waffles to Walters breakfast tacos, Walters menu has something for everyone. On top of that, for only $20, enjoy bottomless drinks, including mimosas, Bloody Marys, Trulies, and old-time lagers. Walters is your spot for all of the NBA playoffs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No score. Bottom of the first. 32-year-old left-hander Patrick Corbin's first pitch to Andrew McCutcheon is hit in the air to deep right. This is way back. This ball is gone. Goodbye. Into the Nationals bullpen in right center field. A first pitch fastball from Patrick Corbin is hit out of the park by Andrew McCutcheon. And just like that, one pitch into the bottom of the first inning. It's the Brewers one and the Nationals nothing. Here, a hit by a pitch in the first in the left thigh. Fly to deep left last time up. And a ground ball base hit through the hole in the left field on the first pitch. Yelich has scored. Rounding third. Coming home is Renfro. And now it's the Brewers 5 and the Nationals 1. And welcome to Nats Chat for Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at American Family Field in Milwaukee. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. We are taping this installment of Nats Chat late night on Saturday night, May 21st, off a 5-1 Nats loss at the Brewers in Game 2 of a three-game series. But it was after this game that we had a post-game concert at American Family Field. The concert was a tribute to the 90s, and the concert featured, believe it or not, Vanilla Ice, Naughty by Nature, and Rob Bass. Quite the eclectic mix. And Mark, before we get to the baseball, you've got to be honest with everybody here. You were there. I was not. At any point, did you join Vanilla Ice on stage? Tell the truth to the listeners of Nats Chat, please. All right. I will be truthful here with everyone now because that's what I do. I don't lie on this podcast. I speak the truth every single night. I was prepared to go. I was ready to jump on stage with Mr. Ice and lead everyone along. But as soon as I saw that he had literally the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out there dancing with him, I knew that my calling, it just wasn't going to happen. I was the fallback option. I was plan B. If the turtles didn't make it, they got stuck in the sewer or, you know, we're out fighting crime tonight. And unfortunately for me, they made it. And so I didn't get on the stage. So I only had to watch from afar, but let's move on to the nationals offense, because I got to say right now they are ice, ice cold, baby. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Robbie Van Winkle, now 54 years old and still going strong as Vanilla Ice. You, you got to respect that, man. You do have to respect that. Hard to respect what the Nats are doing offensively, though, right now. So 5-1 loss at Milwaukee on Saturday night. The Nats this season now 13-28. and That is the second worst record in the majors. The Nats this season now a run differential of minus 56. That is the third worst run differential in the majors. And the Nats now have scored two runs or less in each of the team's last eight losses. We are seeing this over and over and over again, these like lifeless offensive performances. And, you know, at least earlier in the season, you could say, well, Juan Soto was going pretty well. Maybe not at his best, but he was going pretty well. Josh Bell was on fire. Well, Juan Soto now is not going so well. Josh Bell has cooled off considerably. We can get to Bell in a moment, but Saturday night, in a lot of ways, felt like almost like Juan Soto referendum night because I know that he talked to you guys at length after the game and kind of opened up about struggling. As you know, as we've discussed, there's, there's never really been like a Juan Soto slump. I don't know if this qualifies as a slump, but he clearly is not himself right now, and he essentially admitted that to you guys. Yeah, and I thought that was the most telling thing. I mean, the word he used was weird. He says he's been feeling kind of weird. He says he's been watching uh, videos of his swing. He's been working on a lot of stuff. He's still trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And he says sometimes he feels good, sometimes he doesn't. But he acknowledges that he's standing up there at the plate and something doesn't feel right to him. And that's the first time I've ever heard Juan Soto say anything like that. Doesn't mean he hasn't felt it internally at other points in his career. We know those have probably been few and far between, though, because of the success that he has sustained basically from the day he arrived. And so that is a little bit concerning. Now, I don't think he is all that worried or anybody's all that worried that he's not going to figure it out here and probably sooner rather than later. But it is pretty obvious right now that he is not himself. He's two for his last 17. His batting average is down to 245. And it's not even just that, but it's just you you can tell even without knowing whatever he's going through in his head, just watching him, you can tell something's not exactly right. You know, he's hitting weak ground balls. He's not hitting hard grounders like he did last year. He's chasing pitches out of the zone. He's taking called strikes and getting frustrated with umpires. So, I mean, it's something is not clicking right now for him, and he is searching for answers. And that's, you know, a little bit of a troubling thing, both in the short term and hopefully not in the long term. But, you know, it does kind of make you wonder a little bit. Maybe he is more human than we always thought he was. Soto on Saturday night, 0 for 3 with a walk. He drew the walk to begin the top of the eighth inning. But how about the double play that he grounded into? I mean, top of the third, he grounds into this oh-so-meek 1-6-3 double play for the second and third outs. You're like, that's not Juan Soto. You know, he, he is not coming through to any extent with runners in scoring position. I mean, he's getting opportunities with guys on base. That wasn't a situation with a guy in a runner in, score, a runner in scoring position, but he's coming up with people on base. It's not like that's never happening. And he just is not delivering. His OPS for the season has fallen by 77 points since the start of games on May 6th. You know, he's drawing some walks, but not as many walks as we're used to seeing. He's certainly uh, not hitting for power lately like we know that he can. He's not hurt, is he? There's no sign of like any sort of physical issue, is there? No, none of that. This isn't like, remember, he had the thing with the shoulder in the past that we thought was maybe affecting his swing. No, there's nothing like that going on. It's mental. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this is when the guy behind him, who a lot of times has been Nelson Cruz, is not hitting. And when the team itself is struggling and you're Juan Soto and you tend to put it all on your own shoulders, and maybe he is kind of bringing it upon himself a little bit. I know also, and I, I get this 
I've gotten a lot of these kind of responses on Twitter. And, and I don't want to say it's not valid because there could be something there. We have to remember he's working with a new hitting coach this year for the first time in Darnell Coles after Kevin Long left. Kevin Long was the only hitting coach Juan Soto had. Now, that's not saying that Darnell Coles is a bad hitting coach, but he's different. And if you've developed over four years a rapport with one guy who knows your swing in and out and can say, okay, I see you doing this and I know in the past when you've done that, here's what we've done to correct it. Well, you have somebody who's still kind of learning him in a way. So maybe there is a little bit of a feeling out process in that. I think you put all these things together and that's how we've gotten to where we're at right now. Again, I don't think this is going to last long term. I don't think this is a season long issue for him. But right now, he clearly does not look like himself and probably both in the performance and the way he's talking about it is different and worse than I can remember seeing from him since he reached the big leagues. Yeah, we're not used to this. Remember this too with Soto and Kevin Long? They were at the wild card game together last October. There's a relationship there. Like it's not just professional, it seemed personal. Like those guys were buddies, they were friends. So maybe there is more to Kevin Long leaving uh, than we realize in terms of Juan Soto not being at his best. Again, the OPS for the season is 850. Most guys would kill for that. But for Soto, you know, there's obviously a different standard. You know, not getting as much attention to me as Josh Bell. And you know, I said this a few episodes ago. I don't want to hammer Bell because he's been so good for the Nats for the bulk of this season. But Josh Bell on Saturday night went 0 for 4. He now over his last four games is 0 for 14 with one walk. And Josh Bell has not had an extra base hit since May 7th. Saturday night was May 21st. Josh Bell has not had an extra base hit in two weeks. He's an ad's number three or number four batter, depending on the lineup here. But all of a sudden, the guy who played appearance for plate appearance had been the Nats' best batter. Man, he has really cooled off over these last few weeks. Yeah, and I'll even go a little bit further back. You go to May 11th. At that point, he's hitting 349 among the league leaders. Since then, five for 34, and the batting average is down to 301. So this is a little more prolonged than just a few days. Now, in this case, you can say we knew he wasn't going to, from game one to game 162, be consistently that hot all the way through. He was going to go through a slump. Last year, it happened at the beginning of the year. This year, it's happening a little bit later. So I'm not shocked by that. And the key here would be that he doesn't allow this thing to go on for too long before he figures it out again. You can't afford a six-week slump with him like he had a year ago. You're hoping that it's a you know two-week slump, three weeks tops, and then he gets it back. But I think it stands out even more because, look, in this lineup, it's just kind of impossible to see them scoring a lot without those three guys in the middle being a big part of it. We know Nelson Cruz hasn't been a part of it basically since day one. We know Soto had a little bit, but he still hasn't really been himself and certainly right now isn't. Bell was the one guy who was. Now he cools off and it just stands out like a sore thumb. And so I think it makes it even worse. Again, long term, we may look back and say, OK, well, just remember that little period where they all weren't hitting. But given the circumstances of the whole team, I think it really stands out right now that they just simply can't afford to have certainly not all three of them, but probably even two out of the three, they really can't afford to have slumping at the same time. No, I mean, you have the phrase in baseball, right? Like you want length in your lineup. The Nats do not have length in their lineup. Their lineup really is about those three guys. And no one beyond those three guys has emerged to where you feel great about anyone. I mean, Yadiel Hernandez has done well, but he doesn't play every game. That's still, that's still not happening. Yadiel did play on Saturday night. He went 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts. And, you know, the Kbert Ruizes and the Michael Francos and the Lane Thomases, they can be nice and they can help out, but you can't lean on them and you're not counting on them. Like, this is supposed to be about Soto Bell Cruz in some order. And that threesome 
has been disappointing so far this season, mostly because of Cruz, but now lately uh, because of both Soto and Bell. So hopefully they get going. It's hard to see, like you said, Soto not get going. That'll probably end up happening. I do want to ask you about Lane Thomas because, you know, this was a big thing coming into the season. If what we saw from Lane Thomas down the stretch of last season was real or was a mirage. So in the loss on Friday night, he has that one out triple in the top of the seventh that uh, could have been an inside the park home run, but was not. On Saturday night, Lane Thomas hit an actual home run. Top of the third, a leadoff homer to left center field on an 0-2 pitch from Brewer starter Brandon Woodruff to cut the Nats deficit to 2-1. And then Thomas in the top of the seventh had a two-out first pitch opposite field single through the right side of the infield. His overall numbers for the season are not good. Interesting, though, to see him get a start in this series for a second consecutive game. He was the starting left fielder on Friday night, the starting center fielder on Saturday night. What has stood out to you with Lane Thomas in the season so far? The results haven't been great. He's looked better here these last two games. Yeah, this is not the guy we saw for 45 games last year. Now, I think we all kind of questioned, was those 45 games an accurate representation of who he is or not? Uh, so far, it looks like it is not. But I think he's also hurt somewhat by the fact that he isn't playing every single day. Now, I mean, he's had his opportunity. I mean, they went into the season with the idea that he'd be their left fielder and Victor Robles would be their center fielder. And Lane sort of played his way out of it with Yadiel Hernandez playing his way in to more playing time. But he's looked better of late, obviously. The the not inside the park home run on Friday, the actual home run in this game. He also singled in this game. And I do wonder, and this is where it gets tricky, like how do you decide how to make changes and when to make changes? It's not that he has earned more playing time. But you do ask yourself, okay, the team is struggling as much as they are. We know this is someone who, when he started playing every day last year and was leading off, really was productive. Is there any reason to say, let's put him out there every day for a week, maybe even move him up in the order and see what happens? Is there anything to be lost from trying to do that? I don't sense that Davey Martinez is thinking in those terms, at least not right now. But I do wonder at some point if you just say, let's give it a shot because one of the things they need to figure out this year is, is Lane Thomas actually a, a part of this moving forward and not just as a fourth outfielder bench player, but like as an actual everyday player? There were signs of it last year that he could be. So far this year, no. But I would say the jury's still out and maybe you do want to see a little bit more of him. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting with these debut lineups. Spots three through nine have shifted throughout the season. Spots one and two have not. And you understand, too, that's Juan Soto. But one is Cesar Hernandez. And every game, that's Cesar Hernandez. And there's been very little deviation from that. Like, there's been an extreme loyalty to Hernandez in that spot. And, you know, I've wondered about that with Lane. It's just it's been hard to mount the Lane Thomas horse because he hasn't been that productive this season. So it's like, well, how are you going to argue he should be batting leadoff when his OPS is worse than Hernandez's? But like you said, we all saw it last year. Lane Thomas was tremendous down the stretch as that uh, 2021 season went on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Luis Sessa took the loss. Here's a swing and a drive in well to center field. Thomas going back, way back, looking up, and it is gone. Goodbye. To the right of dead center. Luis Orias with his third home run of the year. Saturday night's game was a Patrick Corbin game, and it was another bad start for Patrick Corbin. Five runs in five innings. You know, this started off like it was going to be one of these disastrous starts for Patrick Corbin. He allowed two runs in the bottom of the first. He, on the very first pitch that he threw, gave up a first pitch opposite field leadoff homer to Andrew McCutcheon to right center field. So one Corbin pitch into the game, the Nats are down one nothing. He ends up allowing another run in the inning. He then is better... And then things kind of fell apart for him again in this game. Bottom of the fifth, he gives up three runs. And how about the nature of this bottom of the fifth? He retired the Brewers' first two batters of the inning, then allowed five consecutive Brewers to reach base, all with two outs. Gave up a two-out first pitch solo homer to Luis Arias. Gave up a two-out infield single to Christian Yelich. Gave up a two-out opposite field single to Hunter Renfro. Issued a two-out five-pitch walk of Mike Brasso. And then gave up a two-out first pitch, two-run single to Keston Hiora uh, for a 5-1 Brewers lead. So it was almost like there were three outings in one for Corbin. The bad start, better in the middle, and then bad to end it. And at the end of the game, it's five runs and five innings. It's another bad start for Patrick Corbin. It was a really weird path to get to that final pitching line, yes. Early on, the Brewers are super aggressive. They're going right after him, McCutcheon on the first pitch. I think Urias was might have been the first pitch, the single right after that. They were clearly taking an aggressive approach against him, and it was working. Now, he makes the adjustment. He ends up retiring 14 out of 16 batters during that stretch. You're thinking, okay, he just salvaged a decent start out of this, and then just fell apart there at the end. Third time through the order. Urias first pitch home run, single, single, walk, single. I don't know what to really make of this except to say that I think we have gotten to a point with Patrick Corbin where you're trying to grasp for some positives here, and I know he is and the team is, and yes, there are positives to point at, but at the end of the day, you still have to look at the line, and the line is five runs in five innings, and the record is 0-7, and I know pitcher's one loss record doesn't really matter. But let's be honest, he's 0-7. And it's not like he's been in position to win a lot of these games. That's not just a reflection of his teammates. That is a reflection of his performance. The ERA is 6-6-0. And this has been going on for multiple years, as we've talked about ad nauseum. So unfortunately, you might just say to yourself, like, this might just be the best you're going to get. 
and you hope that he minimizes the damage. And in this case, he didn't because there were two different times in the game that he had it. Now, it was interesting. He was working with Cabert Ruiz for the first time in five starts instead of Riley Adams. Davey was saying, we need our best lineup out there. We have to score runs. And that's Cabert Ruiz. And so he sacrificed that pitcher-catcher relationship for that. I don't know if that made a difference in the end or not. You'd like to think that that's not the whole reason that Corbin struggled at all, but it was a factor in this in some way. But this is just who he is. And I, I think for us to think that there's a lot more there is probably being pretty naive at this point. You just hope that he gives you a chance to win. And that's still a bit of a challenge for him. Yeah. Contrary to what Davey said a few starts ago, Patrick Corbin is not back. Uh, this is still the Patrick Corbin of 2020 and 2021, who we are seeing in 2022. 2019 Patrick Corbin ain't here and he may not be coming back. You know, the further we get away from 2019, the more and more it becomes, that's not the guy. This is the guy who we're seeing now. You know, daddy went out to get milk and daddy's not coming home. Okay. That Patrick Corbin left and he's not coming back. And I think more, you know, look, internally, Davey can think certain things. Externally, I get that he's not going to come out and say something like that, right? I understand that. You want to support the guy and try to get him back to that 2019 version of himself. But yeah, it's it's tough watching how he is. I mean, and you know, he'll do the thing of he'll have a good start or two or look decent and we'll say, oh, you know, is he coming around? And then, you know, he'll do what he's done these last two outings. I mean, you know, it's interesting, right? He does have K. Bert Ruiz as a catcher on Saturday night. Well, he had Riley Adams in his last outing. His last outing, he allowed five runs in six innings. So, you know, the Riley Adams effect only goes so far, you know, like it can help. And look, that was a battery for some good outings for Corbin in recent weeks. But like, that's not a magic bullet. It's not a cure-all for what's happened here uh, with Patrick Corbin. And, you know, Milwaukee is tough. Okay. The Brewers can hit. They hit home runs. I mean, McCutcheon is an assassin when it comes to the Nats. I mean, after Freddie Freeman, I mean, McCutcheon might be the number two Nats killer of the last, you know, five, 10 years, whatever it is. And so you're not facing some cupcake lineup here. This is a big boy team with some really good players. And Corbin got got in this game on Saturday night. Uh, Nats bullpen on Saturday night was good. Three scoreless innings. Uh, Rasmo Ramirez, scoreless bottom of the sixth. Steve Ciszek, scoreless bottom of the seventh. Josh Rogers, a scoreless bottom of the eighth. Once again, Tanner Rainey's on a milk carton. Look, the game was not conducive to him pitching, but like we keep saying, most games are not going to be conducive to Rainey pitching. Kyle Finnegan did warm up in the top of the ninth as the Nats were trying to mount a rally. They were one batter away from bringing the tying run to the plate against Josh Hader. Not like that was going to happen, but I was one base runner away from tweeting that the boys are battling. And you know what? I had not actually tweeted that since May uh, 6th. It's been 16 days since the boys battled, meaning they had not brought the tying run to the plate when trailing late in the game in 16 days. This has been you know, a hallmark of the Davy teams of the last few years has not really happened very much this year. You can't battle when you don't score, you know, and what's nuts, and we've discussed this, when they win, they do score. They score quite a bit, but when they lose, I mean, they don't hit at all. You know, feast or famine is kind of an overused phrase. That really is what this Nats offense has been so far this year. Did you see the numbers I put out pregame on this stat? When they win in their 13 wins, they average 7.7 runs per game. In their now 28 losses this year, they average 2.1 runs per game. Now, I know most teams, there's going to be a disparity there, but that, to me, seemed pretty extreme. Uh, I don't know that you're going to find most teams w- scoring that much in their wins and that little in their losses, and that's a problem. 
Yeah, and that's a function of being a bad team. And, you know, the schedule right now is tough. The Nats, yes, are wrapping up a six-game road trip. But after the first-place Milwaukee Brewers, the Nats host the first-place Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, the, the schedule has done the Nats no favors. They're facing some really tough teams, and they're in a tough spot here right now, 13-28, and 28, like I said, on the year. I have a very random thing I wanted to make mention of. So a big story in baseball on Saturday was the Major League debut of Adley Rutschman, the Orioles catcher, the number one prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. Do you know that Adley Rutschman is older than Juan Soto? Wow. We just celebrated the four-year anniversary of Juan Soto's Major League debut. He is younger than Adley Rutschman. So it just puts Soto in perspective. He's not in a great place right now. We get that. But man, that is something... Four seasons of Soto, Rutschman is just debuting, and Soto is younger than Adley Rutschman. And it's not like Rutschman took a very long path to get there. I mean, he was he pr- promoted pretty quickly through the Orioles system, right? I know he had an injury, slowed him down a little bit, but that that tells you everything about how remarkable Soto's bursting through the entire farm system in uh, 2018 for you know a month and a half before he got called up. And like we were saying. We've been spoiled here to have guys at a very young age come up and immediately have instant success and never look back. And that's not always the way. And it's why I do tell everyone out there, like, don't necessarily give up on some of these prospects. Or if you're frustrated that somebody isn't up yet or that somebody isn't putting up good numbers in the minors, that doesn't necessarily mean it's never going to happen for them. That is a more normal path to success. We've just been spoiled here by having so many guys show up and from day one be outstanding. That's not normal. Yeah. And, you know, I think it could be fun for years to come. You know, we had Bryce Harper versus Manny Machado for years, Nats, Orioles, Kbert Ruiz, Adley Rutschman could be a thing. You know, who who has the best catcher out of the two teams on mass and that kind of a thing. I think that, that be, could be kind of a fun debate. Uh, in the coming years, but we shall see. Uh, you tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, hit up Tim Shovers. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to NatsChatPodcast.square.site. Uh, if you get yourself a t-shirt, you will do as uh, one of our more loyal listeners has done. Tim Murray, our friend who was in Milwaukee, hung out with Mark Zuckerman. Tim uh, is a good dude, loyal listener of the podcast. I worked with Tim for years in radio. Tim now doing an outstanding job for VEASAN. Uh, he does some local radio work in Milwaukee as well. And uh, you send us a photo of yourself wearing a Nats Chat podcast t-shirt at a Nats game. We'll tweet that out for you. So again, you can get your Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. Don't forget that Nats Chat is on the radio Sunday mornings at 9 on both 106.1 ESPN in Richmond and Sports Radio 96.5 FM and 8.50 AM in the Hampton Roads area. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.